The Way Out Podcast, episode 130, with the denial piece. And I, I think it's a beautiful way to describe it, that it's a coping mechanism. That the feelings are so powerful, that the uh, pain is so overwhelming, that our bodies actually protect us right. from it, right? So that we can survive, right? Well, I appreciate you, uh, you know, letting yourself go into that painful memory and sorry for your loss man thanks brother it's tough yeah it is but I think if I allow myself to access that that it maybe it'll show somebody that's listening to this episode that it's okay for them to go there too absolutely you know Um, it's it's a proven fact that when we get vulnerable we give other people permission to do the same right that's how it works right and so when you suggested grief as a, as a topic, um, I was really excited to address this. Welcome. Thank you for joining us on this week's installment of The Way Out, sharing stories from people just like you who have recovered from alcoholism and other addictions. The Way Out does not speak on behalf of, nor are we affiliated with any 12-step organization. Our purpose is to share with you, one episode at a time, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. The Way Out Podcast is sponsored by Transitions Daily. Would you like to join a free, anonymous, online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. Don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Make sure to check out the official website of The Way Out Podcast at www.wayoutcast.com. There you will find links to our latest episodes on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Radio FM. You can also follow The Way Out Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Help us get the message out that lifelong recovery from alcoholism and addiction is possible by giving us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. Have a question or comment about an upcoming or previous show? Call us right now. Area code 218-382-1960. Call us anytime, day or night, and leave us a message on whatever is on your mind. Maybe it's a previous episode topic or something that you're struggling with in your own recovery. Call us at 218-382-1960 and leave the Way Out podcast hosts a message and we could feature it on our next episode. That's 218-382-1960. Help us recover out loud. Last but certainly not least, make sure to check out altrecoveryrigs.com for stunning rings made from your very own recovery coin. That's altrecoveryrings.com. The Way Out Podcast is on right now. Along with Jason, I'm Charlie, and this week we're undertaking, pardon the pun, the heavy topic of grief in recovery. Grief is often a complicated, difficult and downright messy process we all must endure during our time here on Earth. 
It's as core to the human experience as experiencing love and human connection, and indeed is an unpleasant and direct consequence of our profound capacity to bond with our loved ones. We discuss how active addiction and alcoholism often complicates the grieving process, how the grief process works, and how we can apply the tools of recovery to aid us in this process we work through, however imperfectly that may be. Plus, we share feedback on this topic from the sober and serious community and take your calls. So listen up. Jason. Hey, man. What's happening, brother? Not much. Episode 130 of the Way Out Podcast, brother. It's a nice round number. <laughs> There's been 130 of these things. Damn. Yep, that's yeah, something. you've been putting in some work. You know what? It's a labor of love, as you know, and I know it's a labor of love for you, too. Shit, it's been... I think I came on on, like, episode 97. You sure did. Holy shit. Huh? 33 yeah. episodes. Time flies, brother. 33. Time flies. It does. When you're having fun. We yeah. missed you last week, but you called in, so thank you for that. Yeah, hell yeah. And uh, I listened to it, too, and you guys, I learned a lot from you guys listening to that. Every episode has its own unique magic that transpires in the episode yeah like alex was super knowledgeable about that stuff he was plugged in dude yeah he was plugged in mr fitness 100 percent. i was like damn son (laughs) he like was busting out statistics and shit off the top of his head he was i I did not double check them on google like because you didn't do any fact checking i should have yeah probably just called them make sure they weren't alternative facts (laughs) right so made up we're bullshit. talking grief <laughs> in recovery. Yeah. Heavy topic. Uh, it is. And mm. it is something that we all will or have experienced, um, both in active addiction and alcoholism and in recovery. Right. And we're going to talk about both of the, both of those um, situations, yeah. uh, situations where we've dealt with grief an active addiction and how that manifested itself yeah. and also how we deal with grief now that we're in recovery. Maybe we're going to need to address grief that we never really addressed while we were actively drinking and using. Oh, yeah. Right. Or maybe we'll be confronted with grief as a whole new situation. Somebody um, passes away. While we're in recovery, yeah, you know, and both of those situations are things that we face as recovering alcoholics, as recovering addicts. So let's get a definition out of the way. Yeah, do it up. Grief is a noun defined as deep sorrow, especially that caused by someone's death. Synonyms would be sorrow, misery, sadness, anguish, pain, distress, agony, torment. Torment, <laughs> affliction, suffering, heartache, heartbreak, brokenheartedness, yeah. heaviness of heart, woe, desolation, despondency, dejection, despair, angst, and mortification. There's a lot of synonyms for grief. Yeah, dude. Some of those were pretty big words. Pretty powerful, too. Yeah. Like it, and a lot of those ex- do a better job, probably, of describing how I feel when I'm grieving um, Mm -hmm. and and what that looks like. So before we talk about 
anything else, I think it makes sense to understand that grief is a process. Yeah. And um, that there are five stages of grief. Um, and that's uh, referred to as uh, the Kubler-Ross model. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, many, many years ago came out with the five stages of grief. And um, uh, let's walk through those stages, right? We don't experience grief in per- perfection. So as you're reflecting back on experiences or if you're experiencing a loss or a recent loss or experiencing grief in some way, we don't move through these stages in a you know orderly, neat, perfect fashion. Right. You know, you uh, might take one, you know, one step forward, two steps back. <laughs> you know, that's right. Yeah. Yep, one hundred percent. And so, um, as I'm actively Google Google fooing the five stages of grief because I thought I had it up on um, the magic uh, computer machine, oh, I didn't. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, the first stage <laughs> is denial. Yeah. Right. And the won't accept it. Can't even look at it. This didn't happen. This isn't real. I this can't I'm, be I happening. Think I'm dreaming. This just feels right. like a dream. Right. Yep. Absolutely. So denial is the first piece. Right. It actually helps us survive the loss and the state in this stage. The world becomes meaningless. And overwhelming, life makes no sense. We are in a state of shock and denial. We go numb. We wonder how we can go on, if we can go on, why we should go on. We try to find a way to simply get through each day. Denial and shock help us to cope and make survival possible. Denial helps us pace our feelings of grief. There is a grace in denial. It's nature's way of letting in only as much as we can handle. It's a buffer. Bingo. Yeah. And I'm actually experiencing right that right now. My uncle just passed away last week. And um, so, I know it hasn't hit me yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I keep thinking about it as in, in those moments where I don't have anything else going on in these brief moments. He'll, my uncle will come to the forefront of my thoughts and I know that I haven't even begun to process it like my my whole body and mind and in in psyche are not letting me go there yet right and I don't know when that's gonna happen but I know it is yeah. And that's at some point, probably at the funeral on Monday yeah, in the wake is where, yeah. And maybe like not. if you're me, you'd usually sit there. Well, at least in in my past, I should say I, I would, I would be kind of like stone cold at, at funerals, you know? Um, I've been to a couple in recovery where that wasn't the case, but. Yeah, and that's the unpredictable nature of the grieving process. Well, I think it's different too, because I actually have like feelers that work now right you know they're not all numbed out and shit right so were you close to your uncle i was yeah so it's interesting because my mom died as many of you who listen to this podcast regularly died when i was 11 years old of cancer this is her brother 
and they were very close because complicated story but suffice it to say that because my mom married my dad who had been married before and divorced so he had a first wife they got divorced my grandmother my mom's mom disowned our whole family because she was devout catholic even though my dad got it and all didn't matter right so for the first 11 years of my life we would go to uh, Gaylord, Minnesota, or if you live in Gaylord, you call it Gaylord. <laughs> okay. Oh, you're going to Gaylord. <laughs> right on. Yeah, that's real life. <laughs> that's hilarious. I, I cannot make it up. Okay. okay. I would go to Gaylord <laughs> to my uncle's house, my mom's brother, and next door we'd go to the candy lady. Yeah. For 11 years, we were going to the candy lady. That was my fucking grandma. No shit. No fucking shit. And you didn't know. I had no idea. Wow. No idea. Did my mom got cancer. She knew who you were? She knew who I was. Wow. Yep. That's messed up. Yep. So she obviously wanted to know you. Correct. (laughs) So so she also disowned my Uncle Paul, who just passed away, my Mm -hmm. mom's brother, because they had a child out of wedlock. Okay. So they were very close over the years because... Um, of that commonality that they had, that they had both been, you know, excommunicated from right. the family, <laughs> you know? So the they black had sheep. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Uh, footnote, Uncle Paul uh, got me out of my first DUI. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, Solid. you know, <laughs> he, he, was an, he was an attorney and uh, he uh, worked some magic. Nice. Right? Got me in front of the right judge and... You know, did some finagling. Pro let's bono just say, to your case. 100%. That's nice. 100%. Fucking score. Yeah. <laughs> so he has a special place in my heart for that. I bet. Yeah. I uh, hope he didn't enable you too much. No, in fact, <laughs> the second the second DWI, I, I, um, I didn't ask him to get me out of. I probably could have, and I knew I could have, but right. I felt like I needed to, you know, really pay the consequence well dude, it didn't help me get sober for another 10 plus years but still at that time i right. felt like it was important that i pay the consequence we punish ourselves 100 percent, 100 percent. but that's another show. that's a whole nother dude that's yeah. a whole nother it certainly that actually gave me license right to to continue to drink and use more oh yeah and, and, and then you know Deep and makes the pity pot deeper. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I was a fucking martyr. Yeah. You yeah. know, because I paid my dues. Sacrificing yourself, God. man. Yeah. Must be sick for yourself. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, my my uncle he was special to me mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, not the least of which was he was um, uh, had a very special relationship with my mom, um, more so than any of the other uncles on that side of the family. So. I know it's going to be rough, man. Um, and uh, the good news is I get to ask for things that I know will be helpful, right? right. And so having that conversation, normally I would have um, told my significant other, nope, I'm good. You don't need to come. I'm fine. I I, I can handle this, right? right. Um, but I asked her to come. I asked her to be there with me, right? Uh, which was hard to do. It was hard to say that I wanted that. Yeah. You know, it was hard to say that 
that that would make me feel better. Right. Um, because I then I think, well, then I'm being weak, you know? And that's that, not being weak. That's actually being strong. Yeah. Asking for that. It's messed up how it's so ingrained because it's the way we were raised, you know? Right. It's tough. I mean, we've, we've learned this. We've been learning it, you know, in the rooms and therapy and everything else and trying to put it into shoe leather, right? And like walk our daily life and do these things. It's still fucking instincts override sometimes. Totally. So and the, the denial it. that I went through when my mom first, when I first learned that my mom died, you know, my brother and I were in, elementary school we get called home we never get called home from school we i just know i know i know my mom's very sick she's in the hospital right Mm -hmm. uh we get called to the principal's office you need to go home uh it was like a movie walking home and i remember it like it was yesterday walking and not saying a damn word the whole way home kicking rocks and sitting down on that couch and it's us three brothers on the couch and my dad standing in front of us. And he's like, I don't even know. You know, I don't know how to tell my three sons that their mom's gone. Yeah. And it still is, as you can tell, difficult to talk about. But the profound level of shock that washes over you. Mm. Like, are you are are you fucking kidding? Like, really? Mm-hmm. Still to this day, like when I get back to it, and this is after therapy, and this is a lot of a lot of work, and still, yeah. At times when I think about that moment, is so painful and so overwhelming mm-hmm. because of how profound that feeling is, and we all in. Our family went through this profound denial. This isn't happening. This can't be real. My mom can't be dead. We need her. She was everything to us. She was literally everything to us. Now, so many beautiful things came out of it, right? And, And my dad got to, you know be a person he never would have been, been able to try to be any other way in any other circumstance. So yeah, I have a, 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 an amazing level of appreciation and acceptance for, you know, how things turned out. But at the time it was, you know, my mom was our social engineer. She was our, uh, you know, all of our friends were because of my mom, you know, mm-hmm. um, all of our vacations were planned because of my mom, right? Meals, the house, everything. Right. You know, and that all changed like that, right? Turns your world upside down. Yeah. So, and I think so many of us can identify with the denial piece. And I I think it's a beautiful way to describe it, that it's a coping mechanism, that the feelings are so powerful, that the um, pain is so overwhelming, that our bodies actually protect us. from it right so that we can survive right well i appreciate you uh you know letting yourself go into that painful memory and 
Sorry for your loss, man. It's, Thanks, brother. It's tough. Yeah, it is. But I think if I allow myself to access that, right. that it maybe it'll show somebody that's listening to this episode that it's okay for them to go there, too. Absolutely. You know? Um, it's, a, it's a proven fact that when we get vulnerable, we give other people permission to do the same. Right. That's how it works. Right. And so when you suggested grief as a, as a topic, um, I was really excited to address this uh, because it's important for my own recovery. And I, I believe that our higher powers have a, a, an amazing way of uh, giving us uh, opportunities to grow spiritually. Totally, man. This totally. Is one of those amazing opportunities, you know? Yeah, it just was on my heart. I was like, because I hadn't heard nothing from you for a couple days right. after the last <laughs> recording. And I'm like, well, what's the topic so I can change a voicemail? Right. And then as soon as I realized you guys hadn't picked one, it wasn't even a thought. It was more like, bam, you know? Grief. You had just mentioned it. That's right. That your uncle passed. That's right. Like in the same conversation. So. It just was a nat. It was a reflexive thing. I just, and I'm glad you went for it, man. This will be good. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I got plenty Lou, of my own. currently experience. losing his mind, <laughs> um, uh, and uh, uh, I, I'm convinced there's probably nobody outside even as we speak. So, um, yeah, totally, totally. The next phase of grief is anger. Right? Okay, and. Again, another necessary process. You got to be willing to feel that anger, even though it may seem like it's never going to end. <laughs> That's funny. We're going to talk about that uh, too. But uh, the more you feel it, the more it will begin to dissipate, and the more you will heal. There are many other emotions under the anger, and you will get to them in time. But anger is the emotion we are most used to managing. Right. The truth is that anger has no limits. It can extend not only to your friends, the doctors, your family, yourself, and your loved one who died, but also God. Well, dude, and anger it it can it can serve as a motivator, um, but unfortunately, in situations like this, it's like really important not to uh, make any hasty decisions or act out, lashing out on people. Um, you know, basically letting your grief come out sideways. Hundred um, percent. You know, you're, you're short tempered and you just snap out. I mean, we can burn bridges. We can damage our, you know, relationships that are still alive and well. And we're going to talk about some practical things. So I want everybody to be able to walk out of this episode not only having a better understanding of how grief. Uh, it affects us in active addiction and alcoholism recovery, but also some practical actions we can take yeah. in order to help us manage the grieving process, the loss process, which I'm here to tell you, it is for the rest of your life. Yeah, It is for the rest of your life. That That in one way or another, especially if it is somebody that was really 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 close to you and really important to you that process will be for the rest of your life i am 40 years old my mom died when i was 11 i'm still in that process yeah you know and and to think that it's 
it's never going to go away. It's always going to be a part of me. This grief will always be a part of me. I'm just, uh, I'm just handling it each day um, uh, a little bit better. I feel like it's a sign that you're still connected to her spirit, you know? Right. I have not lost a parent. I can't, um, as far as, I don't know, I just can't relate to that exactly, but I can't imagine it's going to suck. So we're going to talk about anger in that we get angry when, often, when somebody leaves, when somebody dies. Right, we could be angry at them if it's a suicide. We can be very angry at them, right? We could be angry at ourselves for not being the person we thought we should have been for that person. If it's a person who's um, um, died in addiction or alcoholism, we can be angry at ourselves for any number of reasons. Maybe we, you know, thought we enabled it, or maybe we thought we, you know, weren't the person we could be for that. Whatever it is, there's a there's a lot of um, a lot of places our anger can go in yeah. grief, and a lot of them don't make sense. I stayed in anger for like twenty plus odd years, like more than that, like. Until I got sober, essentially, I stayed in the anger phase of <laughs> grief. And that's yeah. referred to as either complex grief, complicated grief, or frozen grief. Mm-hmm. And many of us addicts and alcoholics, okay? Yeah. It, I would really look at the losses that you experienced while you were in active addiction or alcoholism or just preceding that, right? And really ask yourself, really ask yourself, if you allowed yourself to allowed yourself to grieve. Yeah. Because most of us didn't. Most of us use drugs and alcohol to help keep that emotion at bay. And you're gonna probably have to do a little research just to figure out even what that's supposed to look like because I mean shit, if we you know, if we only knew one way, we'll just shut it off. You know That's where I especially in complex grief, frozen grief a professional help can help. Yeah. Access that grief. You have to allow yourself to even get there. Oftentimes we lock it away so tight. Yeah. That we have trouble even accessing it even though the side effects are very 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 apparent. Oh yeah. The anger, right? Uh, uh I was an angry angry person. I didn't view myself that way, but I was a very angry person. Just ask every significant other I've ever had prior to getting sober. They would invariably at some point be like, you are angry about something. But I'm sure at the time you were like, it's <laughs> like, because what? of you, woman. Oh, exactly. <laughs> You'd be pissed too if you, if you had, you know, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I stayed in the anger phase for a very, very long time. And the anger was primarily centered at God. Yeah, I get that. For taking my mom away. Mm-hmm. And I often thought about that. What kind of God would allow that to happen? I want no fucking part of it. None. Yep. Because at the funeral, people would say things like, well, I guess God saw fit to take your mom early. Fuck God. Fuck that. Yeah. You know? 
Um, and the steps were really crucial for that, Absolutely. for me to be able to wipe the slate clean on God, run an experiment, and get a completely different experience of God than I had had prior to getting in recovery. Right. Prior to getting in recovery, God was the was the God took was the uh, uh, the responsible party for taking my mother away. Well, all I yeah, like you know? all, all I ever knew about God was the crazy shit that I told myself about God or thought about. Um, yeah, and I I felt very similarly that that I just the things that I had been through and the things that happened around me and to the people I loved were so fucked up. And what kind of a God let stuff like that happen to good people? And you know, I bought into that shit because I repeated it to myself for years and. I'm so glad now that I understand and know and have a deep understanding of who who uh, my God is now. If That's we awesome. don't allow ourselves to go through the process of being angry, though, <laughs> because we're afraid of it, right? And you and I were talking before the show that um, just like being able to relate to another addict and another alcoholic is in and to share that common experience and then sharing the solution. Yeah, the so therapeutic the pain, value of one addict helping another is hundred percent. Yep, and there's a real parallel that in in, in grief and reaching out to people that yeah. are that have experienced what you've experienced and have come out the other side of it. Right? There's that there mm-hmm. there's a, a a very a very much a parallel there. When I was in middle school, they had a grief group for other kids that lost parents, right? right? Um, in school? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, did you go to it? I did because <laughs> oh. my dad made me, uh, forced me to, he signed me up. And you just hated it? I, I wanted no part of it. You I weren't ready to talk, right? Not even close, dude. Yeah. Not even close. I was so far from being in a place, dude, that I could even act, like dare to access those emotions, I was terrified of them. I was fucking terrified of those emotions. <clears throat> I bet terrified. You know, I spent like the first. I don't. I can't even tell you how long it was. It felt like an eternity, but who knows how long it was? A few months, probably. You know, in complete despondent despair, right? Um, and then I was made a conscious decision. I got to lock it all up. It's too much. It's too intense. It's never going to go away. I got to lock it all up and I got to lock it up fucking tight. It's so funny that our survival instincts tell us to do stuff like that and avoid it when really that's making a decision to hang on to something that's going to rip you apart. (laughs) Totally, totally. Forever. Totally. It will rip you apart forever. Totally. And if we knew that shit, we wouldn't make that fucking decision. No, dude. The, 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 <laughs> but we're totally. like, oh, yeah. That's, we're going to lock this shit up. That tighter. sounds much better than fucking like, processing this shit in group. and <laughs> Totally oh, sharing dude. my feelings yeah, with people that Yeah, what's that, that shit? And, 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 <laughs> so I made a few fateful decisions that <laughs> contributed to a very complex, complicated, frozen grief. Number one, I locked it up tighter in a drum because of what I just talked about. Number two... Um, I'm not going to get close to anybody anymore because they'll just leave. They'll just die. They'll just go away. Yeah. I want no part of that. So I'm not going to really get close to anybody uh, either, right? And Well, because then, too, if you get close to somebody, then at some point, those feelings are going to want to come out. That's right. And you're going to be like, fuck, now I got to tell them because, you know, I like love this girl or yep. whatever. Yep. Yeah, I get it. 
and then the resentment against God. So that's the three fateful mm. decisions I made pretty early on. <laughs> that you know, so like I was, I know for a, a plain fact that you know I was bored with big addicted alcoholic switches, and they were going to get turned on regardless right. of what happened, whether my mom died or not. You know, any of that, right? But you know, this stuff provided, um, you know, it, you know, accelerator to an already burning fire. I feel right? like it's a nice it's when you make a nice roux before you you make a super stew and you you made a really awesome <laughs> roux, man. Perfect <laughs> totally. like breeding ground <laughs> totally. for bacteria. No, <laughs> something Wait weird. a minute. What? I just switched that to another whole deal. You totally did. Yeah. Whatever, man. You, you guys from, get what I'm saying. You went from crock pot to petri dish in yeah. about, you know, 3 you seconds. Made it. <laughs> it's fucking you <laughs> You're like a meth lab gone wrong. You're yeah. about to blow up. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> Third phase is bargaining. Yeah. Yeah. I wish it was me. Um, you Survivor's know. guilt. Yep, absolutely. And it seems like your loved one would be spared. Please, God, you bargain. I will never be angry with so-and-so again if you just let her live. You know, those kinds of things, you know. And and, and that bargaining phase for, uh, for me was, please, God, let me wake up tomorrow and everything's back the way it was before. Please, God, I'll do anything. I'll be anything if I could just have my mom back right and then of course you you know that prayer doesn't get answered so feels more back to i hate you god and so there was a lot of that yeah cycling between right the bargaining and the anger and then i'd mix in a little bit of i don't even think god's real so either i hated him or yeah or he doesn't exist because if he did Right. right he'd be answering my prayers but then that's back to trying to just ignore it you know, like not even mm. just pretend it's not there. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Yep. Fourth stage, depression. After bargaining, oh. our attention moves squarely into the present. Empty feelings present themselves and grief enters our lives on a deeper level, deeper than we ever imagined. Mm. The depressive stage feels as though it will last forever. It is important to understand that this depression is not a sign of of mental illness it is the appropriate response to a great loss we withdraw from life left in a fog of intense sadness wondering perhaps if there is any point in going on alone why go on at all depression after a loss is too often seen as unnatural a state to be fixed something to snap out of the first question to ask yourself is whether or not the situation you're in is actually depressing. Because if it is, that's a normal and appropriate response. So be very... And that can last a, a, a long, long time. Right. A long time. But it's a lot shorter if you allow yourself to sit in those feelings, for sure. Yeah. Yes. And there's some other things that we can do to ameliorate the depressive feelings, right? Not distract so much as 
you know, can I use my experience to help somebody else? Just like right. we do in recovery. Yeah. Can I use my experience to help someone else? Because then it gives some some value to the experience that I'm that I've suffered. That serves a purpose. That's right. Absolutely. And that's meaningful because I can't do anything about my mom dying. Mm-hmm. What I can do is I can share my experience around it and maybe help somebody else. Yeah. And that's that's if you, if you're means ready. something. If you're ready, you know, I had a couple people that were, you know, came to mind when when we picked this topic that I tried reaching out to to see if they'd be willing to call into the show. And, you know, they they were not there. And I just said, hey, you know, I just said, I hope I didn't open up any, you know, Mm -hmm. sore pick any, you know, sore scabs or nothing like that. I just wanted to. uh let you know that we're going to be doing a show on it. And I just really feel like your experience would be valuable, but I completely understand if you don't want to share it, you know, because it's not, you know, we're not here to push somebody into, you know, but, but it is important for people to know and like hear what we say when we talk about that therapeutic value of that. And it's not just therapeutic for others. It's therapeutic for you too. Cause once you get vulnerable, it's helping them and then they open up and then when you hear their shit now you're getting healing too correct and it's when you get out of yourself by doing that too you know you're talking about what you're going through but you're doing it to someone else to you know for this direct purpose of like relating to them i don't know something different about that you know like and there's that saying that says connection a pain shared is a pain cut in half yeah, or pain shared is pain lessened, mm-hmm. they say at a couple of these NA meetings. So that, to me, suggests that you know, we don't have to carry this all alone. If I ruminate on it, if I keep it inside, if I don't tell anybody about it, it just magnifies itself in this sort of echo chamber, right? And yeah. that, that feeling of loss gets magnified by this disconnection. That echo chamber, you, that's, that's right. isolation. Yep. You know, that's what you're talking about. Yep. For me, anyway, it's... Yep. When I'm when I'm not willing to talk to people, it is isolation, and that isolation acts as an amplifier. It's horrible. It just grows yep. in the dark, man. Yep. We're way better off sharing that shit, even if it is hard, even if we're gonna cry and be a puddle. You know who gives a fuck, man? Early in recovery, it's harder to do because you know, or that's just such a foreign concept. But like once you've been in recovery for a little while, I sincerely hope that you're not sitting right now and you got years in recovery. And, you know, you're grieving and you don't know how to make sense of what you're feeling and you ain't talking to anybody. Or, Man, get out and talk to somebody. In recovery, as we start to navigate potentially long, locked away feelings of grief, loss, it's important to, number one, give yourself um, some grace around how you got here and why you are the way you are with this grief experience. And what I mean by that is I felt, though, it 
especially very early in recovery, you should be over this by now. Oh, yeah. You should be done with this by now. I was going to say, don't put a time limit on your grief. And don't judge yourself right. for not dealing with it or still having some difficulty around navigating through it. Right. Give yourself some grace. You got through it how you got through it. And you know what? Um, you have an opportunity today to start addressing it in a healthy way. Damn right. And you go look at it this way, man. It's nothing in the recovery process is a singular event. We're going to have to revisit um, these things. Anything that we work on in recovery, whether it's acceptance, forgiveness, whatever it is. Um, grief is like heavier, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like up there with the forgiveness, you know, where that shit's hard and we can bring ourselves to a place where we can do it. In in a way that we get some some peace and contentment from it, but you know down the road it could come back. So That's then right. we need to readdress that. You know, don't ever feel like ashamed that you're feeling something that is something you already like kind of worked through with some of your you know friends or your therapist. Um, so don't yeah don't beat yourself down and go well I can't bring that up again because people don't want to keep hearing about the same shit, man. People just want to help you, you know? Right. <laughs> Let them. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, as you're navigating through this in recovery, give yourself that grace. Give yourself that, that, uh, um, uh, tell you it's okay to be experiencing what you're experiencing. And then reach out to people and also reach out to professionals. Right. Uh, that's was a tremendous value to me. Mm-hmm. walking through that grief process uh, and learning that there was some PTSD around that because the the event was that traumatic yeah. I didn't think that that was the case yeah, I, right. I didn't even I didn't even it didn't even enter into my mind that that would have that that's what I was um, experiencing right. uh, but I learned that in my process and and then, be willing to do the work. Yeah. That's required to be able to move through this stuff. And that's right? just like anything. Yeah. We got to do something. Right. It's not just going to fix itself or go away like magic. That's right. So right. what? We and got... time does not heal all wounds. No. That, you know, this, the, the same. I hate that. <laughs> that's bullshit. It totally is. Already it's proved it almost bullshit. killed me, actually, yeah. believing that. It's fucking bullshit. So, so far. So if I just wait long enough. <laughs> Everything will just fucking fix itself. Yeah, you poof, know, it's, poof. It, I I want that that it's <laughs> so wrong. So now, first four stages was denial, uh, anger. Um, it was denial, anger, nope. bargaining. That's right. And what we just depression talked about forever. Depression. Yeah. <laughs> and the last is. Acceptance. Acceptance. Wow. Is the answer to all my problems today when I am disturbed. Page 417. <laughs> page 417 of the big book. <laughs> totally. We've never talked about never. that on the show. No. Uh-oh. We don't even have a whole episode about it. <laughs> Fuck no. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we do. Just kidding, So guys. don't confuse Check acceptance with being okay <laughs> with what happened or saying, no, no. right? It's not the same thing. Mm-mm. Okay? Acceptance is not a an endorsement. No. It's not. 
It's a recognition that you can't change it. Right. It's a recognition that this is the way it is and that I will have to find a way to move on with my life okay, um, in a different way. And I'm changed now. Yeah. I'm forever changed now. I've moved through this process, right? I've moved through the denial. I've moved through the anger, the bargaining, right? The depression, right? Mm-hmm. And now I'm at a place where and this could be a long time. It really, again, grief is messy. It's it's not it's it's rarely clean, right? And tidy and orderly. It's often messy. You're often vacillating between two stages, right? And you're often questioning if what you're feeling is normal. Oh yeah. And if what you're feeling is um, a part of the grief process or because something's wrong with you. Yeah. And it's hard to tell the difference sometimes. Is there something wrong with me? Or is it the grief? <laughs> right? It's kind of a silly question looking, you know, yeah. back. But when you're in it, it makes perfect sense. Totally. Because it's confusing. It absolutely is. So that acceptance says this stage is about recognizing... And accepting the reality that our loved one is physically gone and recognizing that this new reality is the permanent reality. We will never like this reality or make it okay, but we do eventually accept it. We learn to live with it. It is the new normal which Mm. we must learn to live. We must try to live now in a world where our loved one is missing. Okay? And if you're anything like me, man, it's... You know, when I was in my active addiction, I wasn't fucking present for those people that I love, you know. Correct. But if one of them died, I would I would have carried that with me and just let it rip me to shreds. But, I mean, shit. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But. I'm going to try to hide it. I am opening currently. That's cool, bro. A Dasani sparkling. I don't know how you drink that shit. Because I'm parched. Spark- I hate sparkling water. You know what's funny? My son says the same thing. You know what he says it tastes like? What? <laughs> he says it tastes like dishwater. How does he know what dishwater <laughs> tastes like? It's a great question. I, all, I ask him that all the time, too. Are we like, talking how about do you Jake? know that, bro? Jake or Alex? Alex. Oh, I'm going to give that kid shit. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, you drink that, dude. It tastes like dishwater. I'm going to be like. That's how he talks, actually. I'm going to be too. like, you want some spaghetti <laughs> with <laughs> noodles on top of the sauce, and then let's have a little glass have, of dishwater, bro. That sounds super good. Or let's just do a shot of Dawn. I'm <laughs> 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 just kidding. Yeah. A little comic relief. Um, Man, that so, shit. I got a, a little something I was going to talk about, too, because I. Bring uh, it to us. So well, I, let's hear let's hear you. Okay. I want to hear you on this. Okay. And then we're going to move into how we can ease the healing process of grief. Okay. Okay. That's, I think that at the end of this story will be kind of a good segue into that too, because I was good. really like, what the fuck? No, I've dealt with a lot, a lot of uh, losses, even in recovery. But like when I was, when I was active user, drinker, whatever, I, any of the phases I kind of went through phases where I'd put one thing down and pick up another one and lean heavy on that. Um, I would really just kind of, you know, check out and 
num 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 and i i never really dealt with shit that i went through in a healthy way if it was super powerful because it was somebody that meant a lot to me it would um it would be my eternal excuse you know anytime mm. anytime i was you know fucking somebody's trying to call me on my shit because i was being a spaz or whatever was happening because i tend to get pretty excitable and start acting all sorts of dumb ways especially when i was drinking um i would just you know start bursting into tears in the sob story about you know the loss and and uh, eternal excuse so right but now in recovery you know i've had a few that were tough and really tough especially in the beginning um but one one stands out to me it kind of takes the cake uh about a year ago a little over a year ago i had received a facebook message from a friend of mine who i used to run with a small circle of close friends and we all injected drugs together for a number of years like that was our thing and so we were like a click and this this girl friend of mine she wasn't a girlfriend but you know what i mean she was a friend she that was also a girl yeah she mm-hmm. hit me up and i hadn't talked to this woman in years and she said dude you should uh you should try reaching out to his name was sean and he used he was my best friend for like five years well i was like all right and because she said that nobody could find him he was missing and um then she sent me a link to like a channel four news uh little story where they were talking about this missing man from waverly minnesota and i was like i watched this thing and i was like what the fuck and i honestly like i thought for sure because he wasn't responding to me that he was um out using you know just kind of out on a bender or whatever i had no idea but i guess he was in recovery and he had about a year clean at this time um so i'm trying to reach out to him and it was really weighing heavy on my heart because we had lost we had been estranged for a number of years and so i was like man when he gets you know back into circulation i'm like gonna connect with him and this is gonna be cool well then a few days later get another message and found out that he was found dead in a ditch and then they do this news clip on that and basically said that it was a mystery that his body was found in this ditch and that his car was found at a business a few miles away um and they had no idea how his body got there and it looked like he was dead before he you know like he was placed in the ditch Mm. so i was really like tore up dude and then you know so then there's planning the funeral and it was going to be in a few days and i i spent like two days like of this perpetual sadness and i couldn't because i just felt all of a sudden i think what it was is i was like overcome with guilt because i never reconnected with him Mm. um some uh, there was unresolved feelings there yeah and there's a lot to that and why we were estranged and it's it's pretty long story there but I was like, man, you know, I just all of a sudden I felt like with my new recovery mindset mm-hmm. 
that these problems or these things that got in the way of the wedge that drove between us were like piddly shit and not worth it and like i just there's a lot of did did you feel a lot of regret Uh, regretted not you know the missed years of our Mm -hmm. friendship so i was like you know i had i had resolutely decided to go to this guy's funeral and um be there for for it and i seen you know the family and stuff but the night before so it was like day two of this crying off and on and i couldn't sleep and i i was laying in my bed for like an hour and a half and i couldn't sleep and then i remember dude i was i was just upset crying and i was starting to get pissed off because i couldn't go to bed and i just was starting to get angry or whatever and Mm -hmm. i ended up uh thankfully because of my faith like i never would have done this before i i asked you know i prayed to jesus and i was like you know asking him i was like if if sean is there with you you know can you please just tell him that i love him and that i'm sorry that i let anything get between our friendship we had such a true good friendship and everything and all of a sudden i became washed over with this like peace and i felt like like sean and jesus were in the room and like there was nothing but love and like forgiveness and there was no hard feelings and i just felt all that and i and then i just i mean i literally went from like this perpetual sadness to just complete calm and peace and contentment and then i went right to sleep and so i felt like this was such a powerful like it was a spiritual experience for me so i felt compelled to share it at the funeral and it was really it was beautiful man the the responses of the family i was kind of nervous about saying it because i'm pretty new christian and i didn't know what it would be like to be open about that or if people were going to think i was a whack job or something but Mm. it wasn't like that you know and but to me that was um a case where i was really in this state of grief where i didn't know how to make heads nor tails of it but you moved through those stages as you talk through that you know that experience it was quickly yeah but i mean maybe because i'm healthy today and and because i i was chilling at home i had the days off yeah and i wasn't so you had some space to kind of deal with it yeah and i was like i was kind of like watching netflix but i wasn't watching it and like or i'd have it on the on the screen but not picking a thing and sitting in the quiet. I was sitting in the quiet a lot for a couple yeah. of days. So you had ample time to sort of process through some of that. But I think what the key for me was was reaching out to my higher power, you know. Um, Absolutely. He, he made peace. Absolutely. He, 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 and he and inviting your higher power in right. to help you through this process. What a great way to know especially in recovery as we work through the steps that we don't have to ever do it alone. Right. That we can always, we always have the ability to invite our higher power in. Well, it's crazy too because I I had I wasn't sure you know what what to expect doing that and it was like immediate. Yeah. It was immediate yeah. relief yeah. and And it may not always be that way, right? Right. And I, I mean, I was I think a lot of the reason I was so tore up is cuz I hadn't seen him in so many years and I was really wondering like does he know Christ? Like, is he gonna? Is his spot mm. reserved for him in heaven? And like, did he go there or what? And and uh, but just that prayer not only gave me the peace 
that there was like no hard feelings or you know whatever about our estrangement but uh also that he was home in heaven so that was cool and i was like man i'm so glad i said that prayer because it just completely like just took all this weight off of me you know it's amazing and then dude the other day i was sorry this is going long but i went uh i looked up his name because i was trying to find the news clip for somebody else one of our old friends to send it to him and I ended up finding a follow-up because the, at the funeral, the whole family's like, yeah, we'll let you know what the coroner's report says and stuff because I assumed it was an OD, and nobody ever did contact me. And I asked a few times. I remember in that like following month, nobody ever said shit, and um, I don't blame them. You know, I guess parents want to cover that shit up, but I did find on the Google foo that he overdosed on uh, meth and opiates. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know if he was with a using friend and they were like, you know, dump the body and then dump the car Right, and who knows, right? Who knows, right? Probably. Yeah, probably. Let's talk about easing the healing process of grief, and then we're going to move into some comments from the sober and serious community, and then we're going to take some calls, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Painful as grief is, there's some things that we can, and there's no quick fixes here, okay? But there's things we can do that will help, right? Number one, give yourself some compassion and some grace that we talked about, knowing that this process is normal, grief is normal, and the intense pain, sadness, disbelief, anger, and guilt, all of it is normal, okay? No expiration date. That's right. Uh, The tears, the numbness, the physical exhaustion, the rush of the memories, and the yearning for the person you lost, all super fucking normal. Yeah. Okay. Just, just, just keep telling yourself that that this is normal. It's not fun. It's hard. It sucks, but it's normal. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with you. Right. Number two, allow yourself to mourn, as I didn't do, right, with my mom when I was very little. Um, allow yourself to mourn. Allow yourself, as you talked about in your um, experience with Sean. Yeah. Allow yourself to mourn and and know that mourning is the outward or public expression of grief, a means of sharing grief with people who are also grieving and want to support you, right? So I'll, I'll participate in it. Right. So that you can get the support that people are willing to give and people are willing to give it. Well, shit, like, and then the other day, the whole reason that whole thing happened with the Google and everything was because I was at my little brother's and he still had the program from the funeral hanging up on his fridge. Right. And I seen the date and I was like, holy right. shit, right. like it's going to be a year, yep. like in two days. Yep. So then I looked it up. I was talking to somebody else and then I looked the thing up and I found out mm-hmm. that he had OD'd mm-hmm. and I I called my girl. I called my sponsor. I told, you know, I, I experienced a little spout of grieving Absolutely. You know, because of the uh, it, whole it re-trigger. Deal, yep. You know? Yep. I mean, I, I miss him, and I, I still wish I could have reconnected mm-hmm. with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes me really sad. You just said what our next tip, our next action would be, mm. which is to look for others for support. Yes. Look to others to help support you. Yep. Also, take care of yourself. We have a whole episode. 
self-care. On self-care. Yeah. And I would like to just chime in that if you are experiencing grief that is so profound that, you know, because I know that- Because it can be debilitating. As humans, we tend to- tell ourselves that we're like being a bother and shit anyway. Right. That's our natural instinct. Right. So if that you, we're a burden. Yeah. yeah. So if you are dealing with that um, and you're, and you're wondering that, and then if you, if one of the people that you do talk to actually makes you feel that way, I got a tip. Stop talking to them because, because dude, like we said, there is no expiration date. And if somebody really cares about you, they should be open and willing to let you vent, let you cry on their shoulder, whatever, however many times it takes. Um, seriously, I mean, that's. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank Absolutely. you, man. 100%. I'm so proud I got claps. <laughs> the self-care is important. So, and, and, and probably is magnified in importance when we're dealing with something so profoundly difficult to navigate through. So getting really good sleep and being militant about that. Uh, eat well, get exercise, get the get the good stuff, right? right. So that you can um, uh, notch up that well-being because you're going through a really, really hard time, right? So take yeah. care of yourself. Yeah. Right? And whatever your self-care routine is, right? Evaluate it and right. identify if there's some things that you can do to, you know, make that routine more complete, your self-care more complete and more helpful to your overall well-being. What we eat matters, okay? How much we sleep definitely matters. How much exercise we're getting definitely matters. All of those things will contribute to your overall well-being. You guys even really delved into all that. Yeah, um, absolutely. In the last, in the last episode. episode. Yep. Yeah. Don't make major decisions. Oh yeah. While grieving, that's that is. Hmm. Let me just let me just repeat that. Do not make any major decisions while you're grieving. One of the most common things I know is when people are like, "I can't live here anymore. I can't look at this stuff." There you go. I need to get there rid of all go. this stuff. Yep. Anything that they want to like get they rid of. Purge it all. Anything yep. and everything that reminds them of yep. the person. Yep. And then they end up just completely like putting themselves through this whirlwind chaos. Yep. yep. So postpone those big decisions such as moving, taking a new job, or making major financial decisions. Like maybe try to like move your furniture around or something, make it feel different or something. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you exactly. Know what I mean? Yeah. Trade couches or something. Yeah. Or something. Switch brands know. of soda. You there know, you go. You know, make a make a bunch of little decisions. Change your coffee cream. Yes, yes, but do not make because we're in a state of tremendous emotional turmoil and upheaval. Mm-hmm. And if we're making emotionally charged decisions, uh, they often lack rationality <laughs> dude that's that's fight or flight man you know, totally people think that fight or flight is just uh you know response to like sudden imminent danger or something like that no this this right here this triggers fight or flight and that's why people want to make these hasty weird that's right decisions. yep because you are responding to fear basically same reason a person who's got like x amount of years of 
good recovery, strong recovery, could lose somebody super important to them, and all of a sudden they're banging a needle in their arm and disappearing off the face of the earth or killing themselves. That's right. Yep. I've, and major decisions like leaving somebody, you know, if you're in a relationship and you're experiencing some profound grief and, you know, it's really affecting your relationship with your significant other, it's gonna. It's gonna affect a relationship. Yeah, you're experiencing that anger right. phase and you're right. taking it all out on them. Bingo. But convincing yourself that, like, you're mad at them because they're not meeting your needs or. Right. And that they've never been able to meet your. And, you know, you can yep. go down. You know? it's the, what's that polarization? <laughs> Correct. Black or white thinking. All You always, you never. Yeah, right. And yep. then last but not least, remember that grief is unpredictable. Mm. Grief doesn't move along a predictable path or at a fixed pace the overwhelming grief following your loss will become more of a cycle of grief and over time your grief will likely become more subdued or may feel less constant as it's moved into the background of your emotions absolutely long after a death you may also find yourself caught off guard by a moment of profound grief i just experienced that on the front end of this episode yeah you know and that caught me way off guard for example, on the anniversary during holidays or whatever, right? Um, yes. Happens, okay? It's super unpredictable. And as we've talked about throughout this episode, man, it it, it, it is messy. It is rarely clean, okay? And, and, and just be comfortable and, and try to be... Um, open to how your grief manifests itself. I try to find gratitude in the fact that I wouldn't even be experiencing it unless I first experienced a deep sense of safety and love and belonging and connection with that individual, you know, and those absolutely that's a blessing, right? And, and, and it is a testament to our ability to love, our ability to connect, mm-hmm. our ability to uh bond, yeah. And grief is an expression of all of that, yeah, because when that's gone, it's extraordinarily painful. So, hey, it's I a mean, good thing, yeah, it's a good it in. It, it, and we should grieve, and the grief should be reflective of how important that person was. Most definitely. Yeah. And let me just put this caveat out there. You were talking about, before we move on to comments and then calls. Yeah, yeah. I used the death of my mom for um, pity. For attention, <laughs> for um, um, as an excuse for bad behavior, as an excuse to treat people bad. Right. I used it for all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Right. If you had my life, you'd be fucking angry too. Yeah. If you had my life, right, you'd be cold and disconnected too. Yep. Right. Um, and I had to come to terms with that too. And I think that that probably isn't super rare for us recovering alcoholics. No. I think we all um, don't have the freedom to really delve deep into our addictions until we find that eternal excuse. Mine was, you know, losing my kids, which I had 
you know, conveniently painted into a picture of a victim uh, status. I was a victim in that. For you were the years. martyr, man. Yeah, but, right. But, you know, now it's like, no, I left and then I gave up. You know, I gave up too easy. If I was persistent and consistently trying to pursue them, I mean, they wouldn't have kept them for me forever. You know what I mean? I gave up and uh, just stuff like that. You know, we we find it and we and we hang on to it. You know, my sexual abuse, my my fucking mom's accident, my mom being a drunk. You know, just all all this of shit, those things all are shit. not only excuses to be able to drink and use the way we want to use. But and when you judge like me, shit. and when you judge me, I can throw that back in your face, right? Yep, yep. And yep, like you said, treat people like shit. Because then Gives it's me a like, license to uh, be a fucking asshole. Yep, you can be a dick. <laughs> and then later, you know, when you, you come to your senses and then you want some some TLC, some tender love and care, then, you you know, you come back and you're all apologetic and teary-eyed and you can access that sadness too. Bingo, and you can tap into that that, that profound sadness yep. and then and then get and then and then elicit forgiveness in in um, total manipulation. To- oh my god! But that's like another show. It totally is. <laughs> we are gonna take. Uh, we're gonna read some feedback. So I posted a, a topic on uh, sober and serious. Yeah. Uh, you posted that same topic on your wall, and we got some great feedback, my brother. Yes. Some great feedback. So uh, yeah, let's. Uh... Wait, what is that? Time now to hear what the sober and serious community Rock says on, about dude. this week's Rock. topic. Every week, we share select responses to the weekly show topic, which is posted every Wednesday as the topic of the day on Sober and Serious on Facebook. Yeah. Your experience, strength, and hope continue to amaze and inspire. So keep up the great work, you guys. I love it. You go. You got. We're gonna. We're gonna uh, take some turns here. Okay. So hit me. All right. Uh, my first one that I'm gonna read is from JB, and it says, "My mom passed away. I was devastated and overwhelmed. I had to humble myself and be very honest and allow people in when I wanted to the least. I had to admit my pain and lean in hard." My faith in my God gave me the strength. Nothing else could have. I think that is so profound. Absolutely. And that leaning in, what a great way to describe what we have the opportunity to do in recovery is lead into those that, that, that support resource, those our support network, and lean into our higher power. Absolutely. That's a, an amazing, an amazing way to say it. Now, I've got one that's very short, very sweet. RM says, lost both daughters, still sober. I don't want them to be the reason I went back to drinking. Right. And what a great way to know. I just loved, I thought it was really profound. The guy lost both of his daughters. Yeah, man. And has the perspective that he has. Amazing. I can't even honestly 
imagine that. Um, I'll just do one more. I got a bunch of awesome ones. Thanks, guys. Um, BH, I just found this unbelievable. He said, when I was under a year clean, my good friend in recovery was murdered by someone she met at a meeting. I had a core group of friends, and we struggled through it, but we stuck together and leaned on each other and did lots of step work. But I still hate it when I see guys preying on newcomers in the meeting, but you would too if one murdered your friend. Jeez. What the hell? Dang. That's hardcore, man. It just goes to show you a couple of things. Number one, uh, the rooms of recovery are not bastions for um, 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 mental health uh, and wellness. And you know, <laughs> um, there's some there's some sick people, man. There's true. some sick people in the rooms. Yeah, there just is. It's true. Uh, but there's also a lot of really really great people, and it's about identifying just in regular life. It's a microcosm of regular life. There's sick people in regular life too, yep. right? Um, and uh, sticking with the winners for sure. So, uh, this one for me was really instructive. KG says, I just lost my previous mother a week ago today. I have remained sober, sober because it's what's right for me. It's what I want. I know my mom would be proud. If you want it, you need to work for it and it shall remain. Absolutely. You know. Ton of truth in that. Ton of truth in that. Well, that's called keeping your eye on the prize right there. Absolutely. You know? Like nothing, nowhere, no how is going to knock me off of this uh, path. You know, I'm I'm on a mission. And especially if you're even at even any stage of this and you're feeling any results. I mean, from the second I opened my mouth in the meetings and actually listened to somebody else tell me about their life. I started to experience some of the rewards of recovery from that point on. So, I mean, any stage in recovery, you can you can really uh, experience that. LD, last one. Thank you, everybody, for your responses. You guys rock. Yes, I lost my mom, who was my absolute best friend in the world. I even had to handle her narcotic medicine. I just knew I had to stay sober or I would absolutely hate myself forever. I knew I had to be in the right frame of mind to take care of her. Right. Man. It's powerful stuff. Absolutely. It's powerful stuff. I want to throw one more in there. Yeah, this, do it. And then we're going to some calls. I won't even read his whole thing, but I will just read a snippet of it. Um, he said he watched his dad pass away from cancer. It was the hardest day of his life. The night before he passed, he told me how proud he was of me and my recovery. His words helped sustain me through the grieving process. So grateful that I was able to experience all the emotions, even the tough ones, without using to numb my feelings. That's from PH. That's amazing. I love that. That is amazing. Like, his words helped sustain me through. That's amazing. Not everybody's that lucky to get no, that kind closure, of closure, no, man. You know, no. on the relationship no. before the passing. That's, that's what a what a gift! Like he was there. What a gift for it, you know. But also, how hard is that? I oh don't even God. know. I can't relate. I'm sure it was tough. What is that? It sounds like a fax machine. <laughs> <laughs> it 
it's time once again to take some calls from the Way Out podcast listening audience. If you want to call the show, you can call 218-382-1960 and leave us a message on the current week's topic. Your calls make a real difference. So uh, we here at the Way Out podcast extend a heartfelt thank you thank for you. your contribution. Gracias. So let's bring on the calls. Hello? That's what I'm saying. We got more. Hello! Hello? Hello? Um, hello? Hola. I thought you were going to cut that down. (laughs) (laughs) No, man. No, I can't. I love it too much. I want to add more. Are you kidding me? You're funny. I want to add more of that. More more ringing. And then, I mean, you know how many languages there are, bro? I could go bananas. I really could. I think you're. I feel like this this year is actually, (laughs) as I was telling Alex in our previous episode, tremendous self-restraint I've showed. I've displayed uh, a tremendous amount of self-restraint based on the limitless, Jason, limitless options there are. I believe it. All of the different kinds of phone ringings, all of the different kinds of way to say hello. No shit. (laughs) Okay, it's probably a little long. (laughs) You are awesome. (laughs) All right, so uh, we have Brenda. Oh, no, i got to keep it under three minutes. <laughs> Hi, this is Brenda. Hi, Jason. Hi. I'm calling to talk about how I deal with grief sober, and it's hard. Um, my son has severe Crohn's disease, and I've called in before about that. <clears throat> um, and... Like last year, he was given um, a year to live. And we're coming up on that year. And a couple weeks ago, he was given, you know, two to six months, which was really good, but really bad. This time I got it in writing from doctors. And you know how much you tell yourself you're ready for that. And I've been trying and thinking I was ready for it, but I'm not. There's just no way to prepare for their son passing away. Um, he was in the hospital this last time for about two months straight. And the day he got to come home, my boyfriend that I've been with, my, you know, my fiance, we were together a long time, but, um, We were home for about an hour, and he fell and had a heart attack. And I had to get him CPR for about 15 minutes until the ambulance got there. And anyway, he was in the hospital for about a week, and and we finally just pulled the plug, and, and he's gone now. So I'm dealing with a lot. And I guess the way I deal with it is just I have a lot of a lot of support from some people who aren't in recovery and some people who are, but you know, just basically phone support. And some of my recovery friends come and take me out of the house when I 
been secluding myself for too too many days in a row thank the lord for that but i also have joined a a grief um online support group which has been wonderful and i just you know i don't let myself dwell too long and of course i still have to be coherent for my my son who's dealing with a lot right now <clears throat> we're just kind of trying to keep them alive as long as possible, I guess, is what it seems like. Wow. <clears throat> but, um, it's... Thank you, Brenda, so much for calling and being willing to go down that road. That had to be difficult. That's so much, dude. <sighs> Had to be really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to listen to Tracy. Tracy has got a couple of calls. He was a guest host. Yeah. Of ours. I can't remember what he, what episode. Uh, I can't either because I can't even hardly remember what I had for breakfast this I'm morning. I'm too busy wiping Let tears <laughs> out of my eyes from the first call. <laughs> these are going to be real, man. I know. These are going to be real. Mm. All right, Tracy. Hey guys, it's Tracy. What's up, brother? From up in Anoka. Um, Minnesota. My experience with grief in recovery uh, is a heavy topic. Because grief has been been really relevant, I guess, in my life over the last six months. So, I mean, I've been in recovery almost three years now, next month will be three years and that's amazing I brother had to experience it up until like six months ago so he is amazing i come from a big family and the only grief i can remember before like recovery was like 10 years old my grandpa died and i remember it hit me hit me pretty hard and then there's just some other stuff that i'm sure i had to grieve about but i never dealt with it and like a lot of us all we do is really mask or pain down everything else we've got ways of coping with things and a lot of times it's unhealthy ways for me it was isolating and then of course that later became turned into drugs and alcohol women whatever it might be um but today in recovery when i'm trying to live a different way and not resort to those unhealthy ways of coping i i don't know it's hard um, six months ago, one of my younger brothers, I come from a big family, six, six of us kids growing up. I've got another brother too that came later, but one of my younger brothers, 23 years old, he died from a heroin overdose six months ago. Casey. I think I was on the show, must have been a couple of weeks after that happened. Yeah. But, yeah. You talked about it briefly. It, all I've done is reached out i've been open about it i've been open about what's happened i've talked about it i've had good people in my life to ask me if i if i'm doing all right but i didn't let up you know i kept doing what recovery called me to do and for me that was sponsoring guys that was going to meetings that was going to church that was volunteering that was doing everything that I was doing before. Stephen Ministry training. Today, you know, I can't say that I've necessarily, I don't know, 
I don't know if you ever completely deal with grief or you're never completely done with it, but you can definitely heal to a certain degree. Um, I think about others. I think about my family. I think about the other people who are affected by it. And I think of other people outside of that who've been affected by grief in their lives. And I realize I'm not alone. And I've heard so many stories about it, but... Hey guys, it's Tracy again. I got cut off. Um, I left off by saying that I think a big thing that helps me is just realizing how I'm not alone in this and that there's so many other people in this world who have gone through whatever kind of loss it may be that have caught, that has caused grief, grief in their life. Um, and then, so I mentioned I lost my brother six, almost six months ago. And then to add to that, about a month and a half ago, one of my grandmas died. So, you know, that was another hard thing to think about. And I think a lot about my family and how it's affected them. So, you know, it's hard to know what to say or how to say, you know, how to help people who are going through grief, I guess. You know, me experiencing it myself and then thinking about my family going through it and wanting to be there for them is really difficult because some people deal with grief different than other people do. So I think that's a difficult thing to deal with while you're going through it. But I think the best thing that's worked for me is just continuing to pray, continuing to reach out, ask questions, um, just let people know that you're there for them, you know, like I do with my mom or my brother or my sisters, or not sisters, but my brothers or my sister. <laughs> um, let them know I'm there for them. Sometimes people, the best thing to do for people is just let them know you're there. You don't always have to say the perfect thing. Um, with that, I think I'm just going to leave it there before I get cut off again, but <laughs> I can get through it. So you're doing great, bro. You're doing great. Thanks, Tracy. That was great. And really wonderful way to express how grief is affecting you and in your life. And I love the suggestion um, that came out of your share, which is to realize that you don't have to do this thing alone. Absolutely. You do not have to do this alone. And even more special, Tracy, is that you're actively reaching out to others in your family and know and letting them them know they're not alone. Yep. So that's pretty cool. Dude, he's he's an amazing guy. I love him. Uh we have I'm calling Susan in dealing with grief and addiction. I lost my son a year and a half ago to an overdose. I firmly believe that you need to reach out, stay involved with your addiction community, um, seek counseling, um, talk about the person that you lost, keep those good memories, share those memories. Um, I myself personally believe that you would need to maybe jump in to something in the addiction community, whether it be teaching someone how to use Narcan, 
helping assist patients treat them, get them into treatment, maybe drive them to treatment, keep active in a Naranon meeting, an AA meeting, or an NA meeting is most of them allow you to come in and share your story if they are a huge inspiration. I'd like to give a shout out to Silver and Sirius, Jason, DJ, and the crew for all yeah. the they've given me through hmm. lots of my thumbs. But I think it's very important to reach out, keep hmm. their memory alive, and try to help somebody else make it through. Thank you. I love you, Sue. Dude, Thank you, Sue, so much. She's, she's, she's a warrior, man. Sue, you're a warrior. She does all that stuff she was talking about. She, uh, she also, didn't hang up, so there was some cool, uh, you know, <laughs> extra there. She's starting, a, or she started, I believe it's a nonprofit now. I think it's called, like, the Dallas Foundation or something. And she's uh, trying to, you know, do, like, Narcan trainings and get... Um, but she's turning this experience into yeah. something that can help other people. She goes what and a shares the story deal. all the time. Love it. Love it. Yeah, she's she is crazy awesome, man. I love that lady. We got Pamela and I love Pamela. Pamela. Yeah. Hi, this is Pamela Jones. Hi, hi. What's um, up, girl? For me, has been somewhat better um, having the tools I have today. Um, I have started working with the recovery world and I basically help those get into treatment that are looking and, and needing help. Um, also as a recovery coach and interventionist, I work around the state um, and do everything I can to, to help the addict uh, find recovery. Also have a, re- a support group I started in January um, to help educate the ones that are, are the family members of and the addicts to help bridge that brokenness from the family. Um, by doing this, this has helped my my grieving by by being able to help others where I could not help my brother. Um, I didn't know how. So I encourage you all, um, please get help. You're worthy of it. Um, if there's anything I can do ever, my number is 417-321-4885. Everyone is worthy of having the greatness that God intended us to have. Damn right. Thank you. Love and you guys. Love you love too. Love you too, girl. And I miss her so much. Oh my God, she for moved sure. To Montana or Missouri. Yeah. I'm so like, a couple fuck. things. Number one, I kept her number in on purpose because she means it when she says you can call her. So Absolutely. honestly, she 100% means that. And I'm just going to repeat that last line. Everyone is worthy of having the greatness that the God of your understanding intended for you. Yes. Or buddy. Erwan. What an amazing episode, brother. It was, dude. It's kind of long, probably, huh? It was. It was, It was. Uh, yeah, it was long, but you know what? Good. Um, I'm uh, glad it was long. I was going to say, man, this topic deserved it. Hell yeah, dude. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you so much for your ears. Be good, everybody. Peace, love, and light, and healing to all of you. Thank you for being a part of The Way Out. We appreciate your ears. We're sharing powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics every week. So keep listening up. If you would like to reach out to the show, you can visit us on the web at wayoutcast.com. That's wayoutcast, all one word, dot com. There you can subscribe to the Way Out podcast on all of the major podcast aggregators, such as iTunes, 
CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, Overcast, and more. Or simply drop your hosts a friendly email at share at wayoutcast.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, contact us at share at wayoutcast.com. See you next time. And remember, if you don't change, your sobriety date will.